Oh, well, she wants another shot. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> 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 I'm in that grand entrance. <laughs> that one will get Ooh, It's a bit windy today, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Progress with Unity podcast. I'm Barry. No, I'm not Barry Worthington. <laughs> I'm Dan. Barry is here tonight, but in spirit, he's down at the training ground. I don't know how he's surviving down there, but he's going to call a, a very special guest who he's going to be speaking to a little bit later on. But who are the special guests that we have in the studio? He was looking for sausages, he was telling or hiding them, something like that. I don't know, that's what he told me. <laughs> sausages? Uh, yeah. I didn't, I think. I, I didn't was it? With the bratwurst. German I don't sausages. know, I don't know what they were. We should have them. asked Uwe Rosler today. Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> Barry's no bratwurst. <laughs> Anyway, are we getting on with it or what? Introductions, yes? Yeah, go. Carry on. Hello, Mick. Pretty in pink. Pretty yeah. in pink this evening. It's a bloody red. It's red and white. It's red and white. Oh, Cher- cherry and white, yeah. No, yeah. no, not cherry, just red, no. Mm. Okay. How are you doing? I'm alright, thank Good. you for asking. Good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Rob. Hello. Hello, Dan. <laughs> How are you? Tremendous. So you're wearing your shorts again? Yes, we're playing football after here, getting beat again. But oh, it'll hmm. be the last time I hear. But if they don't put their bloody ideas <laughs> up, Dan, yeah, it will be. I'll You're be telling quit. them. Yes, yes I'll, I'll be out, out the door, it's never to return. It's been transferred. <laughs> <laughs> and Rob's been at both games this week, so we're going to be going to him first. Yes, no problem. Okay. Statman, welcome. Gareth. Hello, <laughs> I'm not playing football, by the way. When was the last time you played football? About 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> what position did you play? Oh, left back in the changing rooms. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we've been today, isn't it, Paul? We have. We've been well, having a coffee with Uwe Rosler. Uwe, Jonathan Jackson, Ed, and uh, several other sort yeah. of Nick fan, Taylor, fan-based. Um, Paul Chilton. Yeah, fan-based sort of media. We've been lobbying it up, haven't we? Yeah, it was an interesting session, very much like Roberto used to do. Yes, well, Mm. more on that later, but I think we should rifle through because we've got quite a lot of stuff to cover this evening and not much time to cover it in. So, we shall head straight on to the Huddersfield game and Statman has the statistics for that. Yes, uh, played Huddersfield, as we all know, on uh, Saturday. Uh, possession, 45% to Huddersfield and 55% to Wigan Athletic. Shots off target, 13 to Huddersfield and 12 to Wigan Athletic. On target, sadly, we only managed one and Huddersfield managed two. We had 13 corners, Huddersfield 12. They got one yellow card. We didn't get any cards. and Sadly, they managed to score a goal and we didn't. Ah, it's just the way it goes, isn't it? Rob... Only one shot on target from Wigan Athletic in the whole mm. game. Does that represent what actually happened? Uh, probably a true reflection, in all honesty, Dan. I thought the first half was really poor. It wasn't helped by the conditions, man, because it was similar conditions to what we're even outside at the minute. It was very strong winds, blustery rain at times. Is that not Gareth? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Gareth contributes to that massively, yeah. But in the first half, we only really had one shot of our chance of any note which was Ben Watson from probably just inside the box he should have done a lot better really he, he fired over by a couple of yards uh, we came at the second half, we started the second half really brightly uh, we got him on the back foot uh, and we did create two really really good chances which was uh, one Martin Waggon at the back post uh, should have buried it really in all honesty it, it, for whatever reason he couldn't seem to get his studs on it uh, couldn't really make a good contact with it that hit the side netting James Pitch had an excellent chance with an header which it seemed like a perfect ball from where I, where I was stood uh, didn't quite execute the header well enough and, and that was our best spell in the game probably a 20 minute period uh, in the beginning of the second half and then for me Huddersfield started to dominate they made a couple of changes and that had an impact on the game and unfortunately for us you know they got a late winner and it was too late for us to do anything about it Yes, the goal scorer Adam Clayton he's taking a break from his duties as the basis for you two, possibly his fourth goal of the season very well taken indeed 
to beat Al Abzi on the right hand side. But Rosler, I have a quote from him here. He was as happy as he could be, having lost the game and the wrong team won. Do we agree with that? No. I don't know. You can say that as a manager. You know, I wouldn't be happy with any defeat, really. I might be happy with the way certain t- certain things took, or what, the, the way they played in the game. But no, you know, the, the the whole idea is to get a result out of the game, and if you're not getting the right result, I, I don't see how you can be happy. I think you could turn around and say, well, parts of it, you know, pleased me. Mm. No. Is that is that what not what he's saying by saying as happy as can be? He's basically saying I'm not happy, but there were some things that I quite like the look of. Well, we're now interpreting yeah. quotes that, from the manager. <clears throat> That's all right. If I it, said I'm happy as I can be, means I'm I'm quite pleased actually, mm. and I'm content. I I, I wouldn't be. Um, I, I, like I said, I could possibly say I'm happy with certain passages of play that that occurred in the game, mm. but on the overall result, no. Yeah, I was surprised, probably as everybody here, that Rosler said that after the game, because I agree with you, Mick. When you've lost. I don't see how you could ever be happy, really. I mean, I can see how you could be happy if you played badly, but nicked the game, because you're happy with the result, but not the other way around. To be honest, I listened to the commentary, um, taking on board what Rob said, having been there and seen it. It sounded like a dour battle in bad conditions and all the rest of it. Looking at the stats, we managed 13 corners and didn't score. You know, you think 13 corners, you've got to have a chance of scoring there, haven't you? The 25 mm. corners in the whole game. That's right. Uh, Martin Wagon to a few of them. I don't know if you heard that on the commentary. He actually kicked the corner flag. Yes. Yeah. Instead of the ball, uh, the ball trickled away to uh, It was hilarious. <laughs> the referee brought it back to be retaken. <laughs> Tremendous. So, I'm, I'm looking at the stats there. You've got 13 shots and 13 corners, like 12 shots off target. So you, most of your corners, assuming some of those shots come from open play, most of your corners, you're not getting anything on goal, are you? No, Which is what you want to be doing. I mean, I've seen the highlights since over Latics player. And realistically, as Rob said, how James Purchill and Martin Waggon didn't score on another day, you think certainly we get one of those. Yeah. You know, they must be disappointed to be on the losing team then, lads. But that's the way it goes. You know, we've lost 1-0, it's not the end yeah. of the world. Yeah. yeah, you've got to remember some of these comments after the game are as much as keeping your own morale up, aren't they? Not necessarily... A, maybe it is with Rosler. A bit of a true reflection, but not 100%. Yeah, I'd say, I would say a draw was probably a fair result, really. Yeah. And as English isn't his native tongue, perhaps he struggles with certain elements of his grammar and syntax. Yes, there is that, of course. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. Give us a dictionary. How, how, how long has he? How long has he been speaking English for? Oh, Twenty years, mid nineties. Yeah. Well, his English is a hell of a lot yeah. better than my German. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I always concede that. As we can attest to, can't we? Yeah. I, 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 mean, I would say the comments are more down to playing the game and, and coming out with what you're expected to come out with in terms of taking positives at the end of a game than anything to do with languages. One of the things I'm picking up on, though, with, with Rosler and some of the things he does say is he's very... It seems strikes me as being very honest. Yeah. It, it doesn't mm. seem to try and hide anything. And, yeah. you know, for me, that's an endearing quality of a, a good manager. I know Roberto, in the past, he, he, he was a little bit like that, uh, but then refused to speak about things that were problematic or whatever, but he did it in a very intelligent way. I think Rosler, for me, is just as equally as honest. He's, and I like that. Yeah, I, I, for me... Is a is a carbon copy. You know, you, you've you've got this little bit in the middle where it all went a bit pear shaped, um, and then you've gone right. Okay, are we talking about the coil era? I does it exist? <laughs> no, there was this there was this like Cyst. fuzzy fuzzy bit in the middle that we all can't remember, um, and now we're back on you know we're back on track with the with, with running the football club in the way that we do and and. Working the team in the way that we do. Um, I've got some stats on this. Oh, good. As I do. <laughs> stats. Under Uwe Rosler, we've actually played stats 11 man. games. Right? We've won six, drawn three, lost two. All right, we lost mm. one nil at Huddersfield yeah. and the Doncaster game we'll put behind us. Right? Why is that? Because we were. Because we were. <laughs> <laughs> shocking. We scored 14 goals and conceded eight. 
and from his 11 games we've managed 21 points so that'll do for me yeah I, I mean we picked up on it as, as a podcast two points again isn't it two or three weeks back didn't we <laughs> I, I, and it seems an awful lot more people are picking up on the same stats now we're, we're going at two points a game give or take and that's good enough for if we maintain that that takes us into the playoffs and from there anything happens you know, and when, when we get there, we'll have some momentum. Yeah. And and of course, the more he gets the team on a week to week basis, as opposed to play, rest, recover, play, rest, recover, then we should see more of the style coming in. Yeah. More of the fitness coming in that's required to play the style. Hopefully, on the back of that, you'd expect to see results improve, and they're already good enough. If you'd have looked at, on the day he took over and said, right. If we are to make it to the playoffs, what are we going to do? Maybe a bit of a new manager bounce. Maybe then things will go a bit pear-shaped as he starts to sort it out and, and work out who's who. And then towards the back end of the season, come on a bit of a charge. We're already on track, and that's before we even start to charge. So I'm, I'm quite happy, I think. Yeah. He, he, even with you know, a couple, like you say, the two defeats in there are horrendous. There's no defeats in there to teams above us. There's no defeats in there to good teams. You know, they're two aberrations in terms of the the performances and the stats. And and as Gareth just said, there could have been there could have been three points on Saturday. Yeah, it could have been. And then yeah. the Doncaster one. I mean, you can't. I don't want to use injury as an excuse, but played Chris McCann centre half. It showed you a yeah. lack of defenders we had at the time, and it was a bit of an experimental eleven probably underestimated them a little bit uh, they had a full week's preparation we didn't so there's a few factors why that went, went that way and I, and I think once you get start that game and you get on the back foot it's very difficult once they go a goal up to suddenly turn everything around yeah. if things are going wrong um, you know and, and when you try to turn that around if you then concede again it, suddenly you, you're 2-0 down and That's it. it's all going pear shaped and you just have to take it on the chin, regroup and, and pick the points up next game, which is what we did. Yeah. And that's a wonderful segue because yesterday we indeed did pick up the three points. Sheffield Wednesday nil, Wigan Athletic three, and we have Statman's analysis of that game. Again, <laughs> stats from the game. Sheffield Wednesday versus Wigan Athletic. Sheffield Wednesday managed 53% possession and Wigan 47%. Sheffield had 17 shots off target and we had 11. They managed 7 shots on target, we only managed 5. Corners, Wigan had 3 and Sheffield had 6. Both teams picked up 2 yellow cards, thankfully no reds. And the most important stat, 3-0 to Wigan. Yes, and these statistics do go to show that you don't always win a game that you dominate on stats. I was just thinking that in Roberto's era, you have been bemoaning the fact that you you had the lion's share of the possession, you created more opportunities, lots more shots, and somehow you lost 3-0. To be fair, most of them were long-range efforts, them 17. Really? They never had a... They had one clear-cut chance. Mm. It, was, it was a good banana skin to avoid, wasn't it, last night? Yeah. Given that we've beaten them twice now and yes. only got three the points. The total is 4-0 <laughs> on aggregate. Yeah. But yeah, what was, what was uh, the record going into last night's game? It was quite not lost good in eleven. Yes. Not yep. lost in eleven games. One of the nutcase Sheffield Wednesday fans that I work with, and I, I use the word nutcase because for some reason, no matter how many games they lose, they're still the best team. Um, so clearly, you need some help. Earlier on this week, he sent me the form tables, mm. and he got sent them back this morning with a little note that said. Uh, are you okay with knowing where to shove these or would you like me to give you some pointers? <laughs> Send you some diagrams. <laughs> so these were our first goals away from home in the Championship since January against Derby County when we won 1-0 and Bolsa Joe. Well, that's still over a month, isn't it? On the 1st of January, actually. So All right, okay. Almost last year, really. <laughs> but how many games have been played since then? Stepman, sure. no. You know, it's like you look at how many games have we actually played in the championship away from home since then. Because we've had FA Cup, yeah. we've had a whole match home league matches. I think 
off the top of me. It's only been two or three. Yeah, Middlesbrough, yeah. Doncaster. Yeah. Well, I mean, Middlesbrough was a, was a point, wasn't it? So you yeah. can't, you know, you can't be moaning that you haven't scored. It's a very easy start to to get hung up about not scoring away goals. Cause I think so next game you can put three in. I think when you turn it into weeks, though, and say oh, it's so many weeks since the last goal away, it, that's deceiving because in them weeks we've actually been playing home games and scoring. Yeah. And it just cranks up a bit of pressure, doesn't it? Well, we had that beginning of the year, didn't we? You know, like we went to Burnsley and banged four in, then we went for ages afterwards. Uh, we couldn't score and the scores cracked then, couldn't we? <laughs> well, once again, Rob was at the game, so he's our designated reporter for the evening, shall yeah, we say. Uh, no problem at all. <laughs> yeah, well, You're welcome. It started off, it was a bit scrappy, the first sort of 25 minutes, and then they got presented with a, an absolute... Guilt edge chance, which was a short pass from Borzijor, and Burnix tried to to clear it into Rosehead. Strikers nipped in in front of Burnit. He had a bit of an angle, really poor finish into Ali Abzit, and that for me was the turning point in the game because at five minutes later, Wagon found himself in a little bit of space, put a great through ball to Maynard, and it was a cracking finish. And, and Maynard, I gave him a bit of stick last week. But he was brilliant last night. His movement was fantastic. Uh, he was winning headers. He was full of energy, enthusiastic. He led the right line really well. Uh, but yeah, it, that from that minute on, it, it was really comfortable. We never really got tested at all. So what's the only time in the second half, Sheffield Wednesday, it was 2-0 up, wasn't we, at half-time. It was all comfortable. They get sort of into the final third and then they just run out of ideas. They just lump it in the box and aim for the big fella who kept, you know, they had a fella at the back of Taliera. He kept sneaking up and they did just aim for him. There was lack of ideas. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it, in the end, it was really comfortable and a good three points. It's good to score three goals away from home. So do you think that was more a case of them being quite bad? than us being good on the night? Uh, I think it was a bit of both, really. I think we had a really good, solid performance, and it was... it was The, the way we won it so well, I think Boyce and Burnett have got to take a lot of the credit because the aerial bombardment that they did first and the second half, they dealt with everything, what was thrown at them. It, it was a really good all-round performance. There was a lot of good performances on, on the pitch last night, but... They were really poor, and I was surprised how poor they was coming off the back of an 11-game unbeaten run. They looked like they were lacking in confidence, uh, but yeah, they were poor. Well, I'm going to point straight to the second goal, and it was described by one of our regulars on this podcast, Paul Kendrick, as a comedy of errors. Firstly, from Kirtland to concede the corner, which started the turn of events, which eventually led yeah, to the goal. That's right. And then secondly... Somebody really should have cleared that off the line before it got to Maynard. What, yeah, but not only it? that, there was. If you want to take into the fact that it was an, a terrible corner from Wagon in the first place, I don't think it was. I don't think he was aiming for the near post. Uh, it, like I said, Chris Kirkland's carried the ball over the dead ball line. Uh, it was his greatest moment. Agent Kirkland. Yes, <laughs> yeah, he got a nice <laughs> round of applause off the, the Wigan fans. <laughs> But yeah, it, it was a poor corner from Wagon, in all honesty. I think he's miss hit it. Uh, it had a little bit of pace on it. It's gone towards the near post. I think Maynard's trying to claim it, but from where I was, it didn't look like he got a touch on, and it looked like the defender on the line has tried to you know mm. keep it out, but it was already going in. So I think. It, I think it was Wagon's goal in all honesty. Well, nobody at the club or anywhere really is quite sure because Maynard has tried to claim it, but then he said, oh, maybe I didn't score it. So We were having a debate at half-time, probably 10, 15 of us, and I think 12 out of 15 of us said we didn't think Maynard was anywhere near it. So I, I would the definitely key, the put it to Wagon. The whistle goes in the mouth and he points towards the centre spot, isn't it? Yeah. Well, strikers are always going to claim goals, aren't they, though, yeah. as well? You're a striker and you're anywhere near it, <laughs> and there's any doubt, you're going to stake your claim for it. Yeah. Any good striker. It's yeah. good that we're scoring scrappy goals, though, isn't it? It shows that our luck's in. Yeah, yeah you know, it was. When, And when your luck's in, that's it. And I, I think the other two goals, though, summed it up because they're two well taken goals, weren't they? 
Yeah, there was. It was poor defending. Yeah, poor defending to let Maynard go past him and then. I thought Kirkland could have should have done a little bit better. It's just pushed it in the path of fortune. It was a bloody brilliant goal. It was Latic's goal. All <laughs> Latic's goals are brilliant. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I mean, look at my sins, mate. They battered to shreds. That's how much I enjoyed it. <laughs> Why? Did you first goal was a cracking strike? Kirkland or something? No, just, uh, just uh, off the seats. Right. They always right. get seat injuries. Seat injuries. Goal, goal <laughs> celebration. I don't think we need to go into that. Gareth, you do say that the first goal was a cracking strike and Rosler says <coughs> that was the goal that changed the game last week we played better but lost but this time we got the goals at the right time the second half was a professional job we saw it out overall I'm delighted to beat such a strong team in Sheffield Wednesday which is fair enough it's exactly the opposite of what he said after the game on Saturday mm. and we've also got a little statistic here from Paul Rowley BBC political correspondent uh, when it's Sheffield Wednesday means that we've beaten every team that we've met, which is 98 in total, since joining the league in 1978. So, Statman, eat your heart out. But that's another milestone then, isn't it? Because, who was it? Was it Yeovil who we played early on this season, which meant we'd played every single team? Yeah, Forest. Uh, when we beat Forest, we'd not beat Forest until we played beaten. No, but we played them. It was like playing every team or something. Not beating them, but playing them. No, no, we beat every team. No, yeah. it was play, yeah. That's good. That's good. Well, it's saying that yesterday it was the 98th occasion. Yeah. Sheffield Wednesday were the 98th team we beat. So. Bring, bring the others on. That's for that. Then again, with Chris Kirkland involved, you know. Or <laughs> 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 <Old> Glassback. <laughs> That's why we said it. <laughs> I've heard his signing for Borussia more than 10 glass back at the end of the season. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh. Brilliant. Yeah. He's probably had some Sheffield Steel reinforcing it. <laughs> well, Sheffield Steel made court anger. Speaking sure. of goalkeepers, I'm going to move the conversation in the direction of Ali El Habze, who was apparently many people's man of the match. But that was only based on listening to the radio commentary, and I know Rob is itching to set the record straight here. Yeah, uh, there's absolutely nowhere that Ali Alabzi should have got 23% of the vote last night. I shall run you through very briefly uh, his <laughs> performance last night. There was three goal kicks in a row, which ended up in touch in the same place. There were several occasions where he could have caught the ball and punched it, and they had not effectively and put us back under pressure uh, and in comparison to Lee Nichols who'll come out and catch it take the pressure off the defence get the team up the pitch kill a few seconds uh, there was one really good save which he made from the lad who came on Helan there was no tech, real technique in his shot he swung his left boot at it but it was heading to the top corner with pace was a fantastic save the rest, everything else which he did, uh, was relatively routine. Mm. There was nothing spectacular, and his distribution, I've got to say, was terrible. It's something he needs to work on. Uh, I'm surprised that it doesn't, you know, it's not improved at all in all the time he's been here, which I'm a bit disappointed with, really, for you know someone who's, you know, taking it, how much money he's on per week, etc. I think he should. You know, take a bit more responsibility and work on his distribution. Would you be in favour of playing Lee Nichols on Saturday for the cup game? Certainly. Definitely. This is something that was brought up in the fan sites forum this afternoon. Yeah, I, I mean, Uwe basically said he, he's had a look at Chris, uh, Chris Kirk on the nearly said then. He, he's had a look <laughs> at Scott Carson, and then when Scott Carson got injured, he chose Ali because of his experience. Um, but he said he said he it's only fair that he, Lee Nichols gets a go and he gets to have a look at him. And I think when he does, he'll be in with a first shout of returning his place. I, I think he's the best. He, he's been the best keeper we've had this year. Really? Yeah. I think he's been better than Scott Carson. Yeah. I he he, he made one mistake. He, he made some cracking saves, and like Rob says, he catches the ball. And any keeper that catches the ball will see me with a smile on my face. Yeah. Because, like Rob said, it takes all the pressure off. You know, you 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 look at towards the back end of a game when you're you're a goal up or you defend it's level and you're defending a, a point. 
as soon as the ball goes in the keeper's hands, you just heave a sigh of relief and think, right, okay, however long we're trying to defend for, there's 30 seconds knocked out of, of that time. And not only that, settles your defence around yeah. you, because you know, if the ball's in the air, you're confident that your keeper's going to come and take it. Yeah. Whereas when you, Ali Abdi's coming flapping at it, and you're a centre-half, you know, it's always in the back of your mind. Is there not a case, though, I appreciate what you're saying, Rob, since Rosler came in, as I said earlier, we've had 11 championship games. I mm. think I'm right in saying Ali's played all 11. Yeah, you Is might be right, yes. So, realistically, he's the man in holding the shirt. The results are there. I think it's stick by uh, Yeah, well, I suppose if it's not brought, don't fix it, but I think there's... He's got, he's he's got it. Al Absey last night got away with having a, 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 a substandard performance, really. In a victory. <laughs> if he's picked up well, one of the matches, he's more than got away Sorry, I forgot to mention yeah. the other incident. But t- there was a shot from like maybe 25, 28 yards, and Ali Al Absey's. The ball probably did move slightly, but he's permed it in a really really dangerous area mm. and it's only by luck that one of their players wasn't following it up so you know if it was going to rate his performance out of 10 I, I, you know it's between a, maybe a 6 uh, not, maybe 6 yeah. due, due to his distribution I mean if, if his distribution was better you know maybe 6.5 well this kicking's never really been top notch, has it? Let's no, no. But it's never improved. That I think that's that's an issue. That's the point. If you're, if you're on the training ground every day, yeah. what's he working on? Yeah. His shot stopping's good. Why is he not? Why are they not working on his handling? Why are they not working on his distribution? You work on the areas where you're more weak, surely. That's one for one. Even Nichols, or uh, like of all three keepers, none of them are really good at throwing the ball out. And for me, it's, mm. it, you can be more accurate throwing the ball to feet than you can kicking it. I, th- I think a lot of that is. He's down to a, a Roberto mentality, isn't it? Of yeah, not trying to launch straight away. Not not get straight on the counter. I think you'll see much more of that because I think that's more of the style that Uwe is looking for. Get back on the counter attack. I, I, like, I like the impulsive one. I like the keeper catches in his own area from a corner, runs mm. to the edge of the box, launches it for the, uh, the, yeah. two, the two lads. Mm. Either side of the centre circle on the halfway line. They've already coached this one. Yeah. Bang, going wide, coming back in on themselves. It works every time. Great film. Yeah. You can have that for note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I would agree that probably Nichols is the one man of all the three fit goalkeepers we have at the moment that would four. offer the most distribution. We've got four, haven't we? I've, I've said this before. The only reason we've got four is because Owen Coyle didn't trust Mike Pollitt and Lee Nichols. And didn't like Ali Alabzi, otherwise we would have only had three keepers. Yeah, he didn't think, like any yeah. of them. No, no, I, that's what's caused him to go out and buy Scott Carson. That and Scott Carson being a decent keeper anyway. Mm. But I think, yeah, you know, I think if Roberto had stayed, we wouldn't have gone out and got Scott Carson. No, but it's like say, Owen Coyle's come in and he's not known, probably known much about Lee Nichols and yeah. thought he's not got the confidence. Yeah, well, that's it. You've got one guy who, who have allegedly don't get on with. One guy who's in his early 40s, yeah. another guy who's a kid, who he doesn't know anything that, about. That's the fact of him giving only a 12-month yeah. contract to Carson, isn't it? That, that, well, we said it a few weeks ago. The fact that Pollitt is from Bolton, and Hampton was signed from Bolton, has not got anything to do with that, has it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, yeah. there's links there. But the, well, there, definitely. Anyway, that's gone. Yeah. Ross seemed to like uh, yeah. Harry Alabs. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. Well, we, we've got. I, I'm surprised one of them didn't go out in the window mm. as a way of helping balance books. Well, we did have those injuries, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, I think Car- it was Carson's injury probably mm. stopped him from sending yeah. someone out. Just on that point, he is two to three weeks away from returning to, to training, according to Rosler. Who's that? Excellent. Carson, sorry. Scott Carson. All right. What's the uh, latest with Sean Malone? Does anybody know that? He's been to the States, he's been checked out, it's all clear. Um, and now this, they're basically starting to work some fitness with him. Right. Um, and, and then whatever that takes. And, and so we should see him this season. Oh, so oh yeah, yeah, back to the final push. Hopefully, but he wasn't sort of promising anything, was he? No. Um, there, there, will be, there will be various recordings of that session floating around, possibly yes. by the time this even goes out. 
Yeah, Barry's um, hoping to get the full <coughs> recording out on Friday. So right. it's the day after you're listening yeah. to this, if you're listening to this on the day that we put it out. Right, so you get this version that comes from our memory, and then you get the, from the horse's mouth version tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I might edit that out. Rosalind oh. might not appreciate you calling him a horse. <laughs> I don't know what he was a thoroughbred. Nay. He was a thoroughbred. Thoroughbred goal scorer. Right, we'll reminisce on the fan side editors meeting a little bit more towards the back end of the podcast. But for now, we're going to move on to the game on Saturday. That is Cardiff City versus Wigan Athletic. FA Cup fifth round. And that's at the Cardiff City Stadium. And we have our correspondent right now at this instant down at Christopher Park to speak with a very special guest. Right, we're here uh, down at Christopher Park training ground on location this week and we're talking to Wigan Athletic legend, the skipper who lifted the cup, Emerson Boyce, commonly known as Boyce City, all, all the people around. And we've got a, talking of the FA Cup, Boyce, we've got a big game on Saturday facing Cardiff City. Yeah, it'll be a massive game. Um, obviously we came through last round against Crystal, my old club, Crystal Palace. Um, we put a good performance in there and we're looking to go to another Premier League club now and, and get the result. Um, it's going to be a hard game, but we've got a big squad and we're full of confidence at the moment, and we're looking to defend our cup as much as long as we can. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the Palace game because since you left Palace to come to Wigan, that was a, it's not the first time we've played them, but it's the first time you played against them. For the uh, when we played them in the League Cup a couple of years back, you weren't in the squad, were you, for that game? No, it's the uh, first time I ever played against Palace. Um, and how did it feel? Was it did it uh, did it evoke some memories or some heartstrings? Because I know you was fond of your time there. Yeah, I, I had a great time there. The fans are always good to me, and I say they tweet they tweet me now, um, wishing me all the best. And I've always had a good relationship with the fans there. Um, Spironi, he was in goal. Um, he was there when I was there, so it was good to see him. And as a club, they've always been good to me. So it was um, a bit strange playing against them, and I was. Happy enough to cut the fans, you know, before the game and after the game. Um, I think a few of them had a had a few things to say to me when the, when they could have had a penalty. But um, I just I just said to the gaffer, I went to go back to Sellers Park. So I'm <laughs> but no, all in all, I had a good time. I had a good time, um, good spell there. Um, just thankfully that we got through for, through to that round and we're into this game now. Yes, it was a, a great performance, Greg. What did you make of that? Yeah, it was very professional fall, wasn't it? Is going into these games down the FA Cup, obviously, are they a bit different from maybe previous years because you've got that tag as holders? Is there a bit more desire to, to, to go through to the next round? Yeah, I think so. Um, me personally, um, obviously, there's, the, there's a lot of things change at the club now, a lot of personnel has changed at the club. Um, but I think for the players that have won it, um, we want to play in every single game. Um, I know the manager wants to rotate. Uh, obviously, the league is, is you know, more important. But for the people that won the FA Cup, you know, we want to play in every single round and, and defend our cup. Um, I'm just trying to, hopefully I'll get selected for the Cardiff game now. But, you know, as a player, I'll be more gutted like, if I didn't play in the game and obviously we lost. So, um, no, as a player, you want to play in that game and hopefully defend the cup and move on as long as you can. Making it a long whole season, aren't you? <laughs> you know, all these, you know, especially if the draw next round, you're in, you've got a replay, it's more games than ever. Yeah, I, you know, I'll be the last one to to complain about the um, amount of games we play because Europa League was an experience and a half. Um, yeah, you can look at it now and say it did affect us quite a lot, but you know, it's a one, probably a one-off um, experience uh, for a lot of our players. Um, so I would never complain about it. Um, look at it now that we're out of it. Yeah, obviously, with all the games that are building up, um, you know, if imagine we put the Europa games in there as well, it would be just too many. Um, but we're slowly making progress back up the league now. Um, the manager's come in, he's, he's put his tactics and, and know-how to the team and I think we're looking at a better team now and hopefully we can get into those playoffs, if not further. So, so it's great things ahead. So we're more or less halfway through the season now and um, we expect big things now. Fantastic. Thank you very much for that. Yeah? Yeah. Sure. Thank, thank you. you. Right, well, thank you for that, Barry, and thank you very much, Emerson Boyce, for taking the time out to comment. Right, do we have any stats on Cardiff City, Gareth? The Welsh. Oh. The Welsh, stats. yes. <laughs> I've got the recent form and the situation in the Premier League and what have you. Uh, the 19th, in, next to the bottom of the Premier League, we've only won four games all season. Sorry, five games all season. So things are not good at Cardiff. They must be, they must the, be Rofe, they've lost to Man United there, looking at that. In the last six performances, they've only managed to win 
2-1 against Norwich, having lost four and drawn one. But the bookmakers seem to think that uh, Cardiff City are going to win. They're 11-10 to to beat Wigan on Saturday, and Wigan are 5-2 to mm. to win, though, with the draw at 23-10. to mm. I mean, Technically, you're going up against a Premier League team at their place, on just purely on that form book, not, not so much their games. You'd expect them to be a stronger squad than we are. Is it, what is it, 11 league points is different? Yeah, top flight squad. The the next to the bottom, we're ninth now. When we were in that position and we were coming playing teams that are in the position we're in now, last season we were comfortable, weren't we? So it's no surprise. In the FA Cup so far, Cardiff City, in the third round, won 2-1 at Newcastle, which you've got to say is a good result. And they beat our local rivals, Bolton Wanderers, Mm. 1-0 at Bolton in the fourth round. But wasn't that Newcastle game, though, basically a non-entity because he put out his uh, his kids... They were still in nappies then, aren't they? That's, that's true. So. You know, the t- typical uh, Purdue bloody attitude to the FA Cup, the Arrogant Kids. Sorry, but no, they absolutely stumped that attitude in Newcastle to that. Towards it was that the, the owners made comment as well, no, there, no. the board saying no. basically they wasn't interested in a cup run, no. they wasn't interested in Europe, they were only no. interested in the Premier League, their exact words. And I, and, yeah. I, and I think Cardiff's performance against Bolton is nearer to one than what we can expect this Saturday for me. Mm. And I, I've got every confidence in uh, in Wigan this this weekend. Really have. Yeah, they only just sneaked past Bolton, didn't they? It was a terrible goalkeeping error by Lonigan. I don't know if, if anyone remembers seeing it. Absolute shocker. Uh, and that's the only reason we got through to the next round, didn't it? They got uh, they got battered in the uh, derby, the Wales derby last week, didn't they? Yeah, Not last week. It was. Yeah, weekend on. Yeah. Because uh, you know, even though even though they picked up a point last night in the league. <laughs> I think they're going to adopt this attitude of, well, you know, it's coming to a situation now where we need to bolster our league position. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, let's give other people, fringe players, an opportunity to shine. Mm. But well, That's exactly what we did as well, isn't it? It is. It is. But as we progressed, we changed our attitude. Yeah, yeah. It's they don't seem sides. to have done yeah. that, yeah. So, but I, I put it down to the fact that they're wearing crappy red shirts. To be honest with you, oh, you've opened up a can of worms there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, but the chairman comes in, right, and goes against years and years and years and years of tradition on a win. Nah, well, I'm sorry. Well, right. apparently, in is it Malaysia he's from? Yeah. In his home country, red is a lucky colour. Yeah, yeah. bad as well, then. <laughs> what, what do they want? To, yeah, he's changing the badge, he's changing the name. He wants to change the name to the Cardiff Dragons, doesn't he? You know, hang on a minute. What about all these fans who are paying good money to get in there with that oh, tradition? Not, because yeah, of, fans, but, sorry, don't, no, yeah, don't fans. <laughs> Why bring fans into yeah. it? Of course, yes. You know. Yeah. But are they, are they going to be struggling a little bit on uh, Saturday anyway with the team? Because I know they've lost um, Bellamy, haven't they, for three I think they've, still got, they've wasn't still got some good players. Uh, I wasn't one of two of them injured, though. Uh, two of them, a couple of them picked up injuries. They've still got a decent squad. Mm. They've got, they'll have a strong side. I think mm. they'll likely play a similar type of side. Mm. To, to and, and they've got all my advantage as well. Yeah. So. Well, the top scorers for Cardiff this season, uh, Fraser Campbell has got seven. He's a player who we were after at some point, I think, under Bruce. Much has four, and Noon has three. And also, just a piece of news, Nicky Maynard will not play against his parent club. Yeah, it's an FA Cup real, apparently. Yes, yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. So even if you've been given permission, they come to play. Didn't Craig Bellamy get banned? Yes, he's banned. Bellamy's got three games. So he won't be able to No, he won't be there, but uh, I believe he also picked up a couple of injuries over the weekend. And uh, one or two did feature in last night's game. I might be wrong, I might be thinking of another team, but... Uh, I expect some big changes for, from Cardiff lineup anyway. Okay, do we have some predictions then? Yes, I think it's prediction time. Nick, oh, well, I, I'm not going to predict a score because the last time I've predicted scores, we've uh, lost. So I'm going to just go back to a Wigan win, a Wigan win. We're going to win it, and I think we might sneak it uh, by the odd goal. Right. So that's one win. Rob, this what do you is think? What people are not going to go away, but I think it's going to be a one-all draw. Oh, maybe right. people do want to hear that. Bring them I back to our own ground. I know, but I think a lot. 
a lot of people are probably thinking about the amount of games we've got and thinking about the you know the assault on the playoffs and whatnot. And all those I mean, personally, I, I wouldn't mind that you can't knock another game of football, <laughs> can you? But yeah, especially, especially a cup replay. Yeah. Because if, if if it's all square, you get you get the benefit of penalties and that then, don't yeah. you? So. Gareth, do you have any predictions then? I do. I'm trying to be positive. I think the FA Cup holders will win two nil against the Bluebirds who play in red. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you very much, Vincent Tan. So, two wins and a draw. Paul, what do you think? Um, I'm with Rob, 1-1. Two wins and two draws, and I'm going to break that and say... Latics win. 3-2. Or a similar high score. I'm hoping so, yes. Mm. A good 3-2. And we're gearing up. That parade bus already. Mm-hmm. We'll see it travelling through <laughs> asphalt. It's going past Gareth's house again. Yep. Happy days, happy days. Yeah. Yes. Mm. yeah. Right, well, we're hoping for some more happy days because before our next edition, we have another game. We're going Athletic versus Barnsley. That's on Tuesday, the 18th of February. And we're going to cross over once again to Statman for statistics. Do you have any on Barnsley? Statman. Yes, Burnsley, well, 23rd in the championship, next to bottom, 22 points so far, they've won just four games, they've only won one of the last six games, so come on Wigan, you know, we, we really ought to be going and getting three points at places like this, especially given our push for the playoffs, as mm. Paul had been saying earlier. I, I, as, as I said, we need, we need ten wins, five draws. Out and four losses out of the last 19 games to see us comfortably in. So far we've ratcheted up one win and one loss. So turn that to two wins. We're on the way. Well, it's a game we should do though, isn't <clears throat> yeah. If you were to look at the last fixtures and say where am I picking up my points to make the playoffs, yeah. this is one where you've got to, you're going to mark down for three. Yeah, definitely. Right. Do you think we're going to see a repeat of our last meeting, which was on the 3rd of August, right at the beginning of this season, when we defeated them 4-0 at their bidding? Watson, Holt, Barnett and Maloney scored. I don't think we've seen a repeat of the goal scorer. Unfortunately not. I don't think so. They're going to be fighting for the lives. We would have played a lot more games in them recently. I think we're going to, again, Rosler's going to be rotating the team. I think he'll pick a stronger team Saturday than he will probably on Tuesday, given the opposition. Is Powell fit? No. No. Apparently it's going to be a while before he's back, according to Rosler. I think I think when you look at the players who were not available on Saturday though, Maynard's cup tied but isn't um, Wagon as well. Yeah, Wag- Wagon can't play. That's right. That, that's why mm. he took McLean off last night. He was having a very good game. Right, he kept Wagon on. So there's no injury problem there. I don't think. I think it was tactical rather than an injury. Although he did, he looked disappointed to be coming off. So that that suggests that that it was tactical. Just remind me, who did he bring off? For Fortuna. So oh, McLean. 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 Yeah, yeah, sorry. Because weren't we playing with three attackers at that point? Yeah, uh, well, we, we sort of had a three, three-prong attack. We started with Maynard, McLean and Wagon. Then we changed that. We took McLean off, brought Fortuna on. Basically, played with a front three, really. But, you know, with one main striker, two supporting yeah. and tucking in. It would not surprise me if, come Saturday, he's got Gomez and Espinosa uh, somewhere either starting or on the bench, and I think he'll he'll hold them back for the bounds of the game. He'll start McManaman. McManaman was on the bench, played no part last night, so I think he was saving him. What do you think for Saturday? Or yeah, for, for yeah. Saturday, and I think with him taking McLean off. After 51 minutes, which I'm, I'm convinced it was tactical. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's because Wagon can't play Saturday. I'm convinced he, he's going to start with uh, McLean. So I, I think Tuesday game will be a good springboard for us with three points because what we're sitting ninth now, three points actually, three more points now, and a good result actually takes us into the top six. Yeah. I, if, yeah. If other people drop points, we've been. Just about seventh, haven't we? Yeah. For, for weeks, if we pick up points out of the games in hand. Yeah, well, if we beat Red, beat Red at home and win the game in hand, we'll leave yeah. them. So yeah. that'll get us into six. Yeah. It's we, just we've been there or thereabouts for a long time. The thing is, though, is if we win with a 
haven't we? I know it sounds such a a stupid comment to make, but we've got games in hand. We'll have another Mm. game in hand come Saturday. We win these games in hand. We're there. Yeah, that's it. If the other teams drop points, like you say, yeah. Because the games in hand are against winnable opponents. You know, like Yeovil, Barnsley. You know, the problem is the teams, what we've still got the problematic reason. matches. Yeah. We've still got the problem. And we've got points. We've got points. We've got drop points at Doncaster where you wouldn't have thought. Uh, yeah. Well, this is it. The, the potential of they're all banana yeah. skin matches. I don't live to regret the Doncaster performance. Yeah. No, to be no. I, I, I mean, as I said last week, you look at every single fixture and think we could go there and get three points, or we could go there and get no points. Yeah. And anything in between. Well, anything. I draw. If we can win the game in hand, they could potentially go up to seventh. Yeah, that puts us seven. Like Rob says, you then beat Reading, then you leapfrog Reading. Yeah. You've got games to come against some of the other teams above you. They're the important ones, aren't they? Because yeah. we, well, we can't afford to lose Reading. We want to be captain, can we? No. We, we've got to play Leicester again, Burnley again, QPR again, Forest again, Reading again, Brighton again. In fact, Brighton's coming up uh, quite soon. Ipswich. Ipswich and Brighton are away. Reading's at home, Forest is away, QPR's away, Burnley's away, Leicester's at home. Mm. We've got some real toughies there. We've yeah, got, we've got a lot of bottom sides at home, so that balances yeah. out. Yeah, if, if you pick a few points up there, then you should mm. be getting close yeah. to your target. And what you're also doing is when you're picking points up against them above you, you're, you're reducing forcing, that gap you're as well. Them that's to drop it, that's why we, we have got to win a few of them up yeah. I mean, we got away with it Saturday, didn't we? Because nobody else around us took advantage. No, it's a shame, really, because mm. if, if we're gonna win there, we would have, you know, really got the momentum going there. Yeah. What do we all think is going to happen next Tuesday? Can we get some predictions for the game? We'll start with Paul. We'll go the other way around this time. I think we will beat them one 0 I'll settle for one 0 Anything for three points, and I'm happy. Scrape a win, yeah. yeah. Gareth, confident. I think very confident actually. Um, I think with the lads. Uh, Maynard and Whitehall probably being well, obviously being ineligible for the cup. They'll have been resting up for a few days. Coming back, firing on all cylinders. I think we're going to do them three 0 I really do. We should do. Ah, a repeat yeah. of yesterday's scoreline, then, Rob. Yeah, I agree with Gareth. I think with Maynard and Waghorn both sort of not playing any purse at the weekend, I think they're going to have a big impact against Burnsley. I think it'll be a comfortable team, though. 2-0 and Mick I think it'll be a comfortable win for Latics and I'm expecting a comfortable win and if we don't get a comfortable win I'm going down to the training ground and I am going to speak my mind <laughs> <laughs> well I've got to go with the flow haven't I really and say I think we'll win as well I think it'll be 2-0 in front of our own crowd yes nice night matches aren't they depends if it's raining and the wind's blowing like it is today well, yeah, or, I, I mean, that, that takes away. Or if you're free to go away, Gareth, not working. Sadly, I there's, the, there is there's definitely something special about pitching up the steps and seeing the pitch under the floodlights. All right, well, we have one more order of business to attend to this evening, and that is indeed the fans forum that myself and Paul attended this afternoon. So, Paul, what would you say are the main points that we took out of our meeting with Mr Uwe Rosler and Jonathan Jackson? Um, I'd say the, the, the key elements um, were that it's a question of striking a balance between investing in the playing squad and trying to retain the solvency of the club. Obviously, having dropped out the Premier League, um, there is a massive drop in income. Um, we did see the numbers. Um, they're all in the um, club's annual statement anyway. Yeah. Um, so there was no secrets. Just sort of Jonathan explained them to us. I think it was a bit of a PR exercise on on the part of the club, so that as podcasters and and, and website editors alike that were there, we can go out into the the wild world and explain what can be expected in terms of investment um, and some of the mixed messages that have come out regarding transfer funds and, and just we've very much gone from um, there was a bit of defence of Owen Coyle in the sense that he inherited a team that was missing a lot of senior players at that point and he needed to bring in some senior players which means that you don't bring in 
kids with potential. You bring in players that have been there and done it a little bit and and can operate without quite so much um, supervision uh, and training and, and coaching because they've been there and seen it themselves. Um, and that's why we brought in one or two older players. See, you'll never win anything with kids, will you? Well, I, and the, the thing with that was that they were drilled and, and, and brought through, weren't they? Um, like I said, we, when you put a team together from next to nothing, as, as well, what was left? And, and <clears throat> I know he, he mentioned it more than once. And to be fair, he did have a point that the squad that he inherited wasn't what you would want to inherit as you walk into a football club. Um, and, I, and I think they kind of mitigated that and said, they're the reasons why Owen did what he did. And then they kind of glossed over the fact that he went <laughs> and he turned up. Um, and it seems to be very much back on track in terms of how the club, I, I say how the club used to be run. I'm only going back six months, uh, 12 months un, under Roberto, where we, you know the key thing is finding youngsters, developing youngsters, keeping your squad fresh, selling players on to balance the books. Yeah, that was the whole um, business model. Yeah. Moneyball, that's yeah. what it's called. Moneyball. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I mean, you know, we, we saw the numbers and I can't remember the numbers and I didn't pick up the notes that I wrote down, but the the, the turnover was massively, massively subsidised by Premier League money. Yes. Um, and you take that away and the, 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 the money that you're getting for selling the likes of James McCarthy is being used to cover the outgoings that the Premier League income used to cover and, and whilst they said wages have dipped they've not dipped that much you know they've, they've, they've dipped a bit I think mm. I think you're saying they were down from about about 50 million I wrote the numbers well, down we um, have the term 2013 turnover here 56 million pounds which of which 44 million was from the Premier League and 5 million pounds was from the FA Cup in gate receipts, yeah. broadcasting, and prize money, and a majority of that apparently went towards player bonuses. Yeah, a chunk of that goes straight back out in, in, in bonuses. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it, he, he had the numbers for the wages. Um, like I say, I we we were specifically asked not to record that section, um, but we were told yes, you can report on it, and also that the figures are actually in the annual statements anyway. Um, so they're publicly available if people are interested. Um, but it, it was, you know, he, he was saying that the, esti the estimated savings in wages was was about 15, uh, 15 to twenty million pound down in wages on last year, which is a you know it's an enormous amount of money. But still, even with that amount of reduction, you're not covering the forty four million that you used to get from the Premier League, even with parachute payments because parachute payments only only worth about 20 I think they were 20, 25 yes. this year in the first year 24 yeah, million second year 19 million third and fourth year 10 million each yeah. in the fifth year nothing can I just ask something you know where uh, we sort of cut the ways Bill you're on the under Roberto and then all of a sudden last season there was an increment was that due to bonus payments for the FA Cup run or did we actually increase the wage bill they're signing the likes of Ramis and Corner because the wage bill went up around four million pounds. It could be either. I'm not. I, I, I'm not in a position. So they did. To they did it, so they did. But they didn't say that. They didn't no. explain that. No. No. They, they did say that a chunk of that FA Cup money. So it could be. So it bonuses the, the and whatnot, and then that's why the wages have, have gone up, opposed to going down. Opposed to going down yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. Because, because, I mean, you, you're tied into those bonus contracts, aren't you? You know. Uh, and, and let's face it, they were worth every penny oh, well, yeah, <laughs> from, I mean, from yeah. our perspective. Yeah, well, of course it was, yeah. Did they make any comments about how much money went out of the club towards uh, agent fees? No. That was never brought up, was it? No. That could well be in the annual report, but... Yeah, no, no I know it is a section of the annual report, yeah. but uh, whether they mention it or not. But, um, <laughs> the other interesting thing um, that, that came up was James McCarthy. and Essentially... They, they were put in a position where there was only one bidder, uh, and at that point he was happy to go, and he, he was he was pretty much I want to go and work with Roberto again, um, and so they held out and squeezed them for as much as they possibly could. So was it you know <coughs> that brings me on to my next question then? Uh, obviously, McCarthy's sale is to make up for the shortfall in income. Was we basically banking on selling McCarthy all summer? 
to sort of balance the books. I think we were banking on making a similar kind of sale. Or sales from other assets, possibly. Player values are worked in into the the books. I've I've seen it before. You pay 10 million quid for somebody on a four-year deal. He's worth 10 million at the point you buy him. At the end of that season, he's only worth seven and a half. And and you depreciate his value through the life of the contract. and, And... if you sell him at the at the point like when there's 12 months left, that then becomes a bonus income, and, and it all becomes very. Strange. But was it not? It, was it not? Was that not a reverse situation with McCarthy? Because when we bought him, we improved on him, so therefore <coughs> we were selling him as a better player. Well, yeah, that, yeah, it does work. That, it, that, that, so it works. If it, it, but there's many factors, isn't there? There's farm. Yeah. That, that can be a big his, factor. His value, his value as an asset goes down from the point you pay for him till the point when the contract runs out. You don't sit there and think, oh, actually, I could probably get £10 million for him now. He's worth £10 million. He's still worth whatever's left of a percentage of his what you paid for him. Well, what we did very well was we developed players yeah. over the last eight seasons. We've bought young talented players yeah, yeah. And, and, and developed South them Americans and sold them on that, that, that's, what, that's what I was saying before it's, they call it money ball in yeah. the modern game and that's how we've got to operate as a club yeah, and that's, in the Premier League that's very much the way they intend to operate again like I say there seems to be this six month period where there's been a bit of a like a, a, a sort of cock up or a deviation where they've got lost a bit and now they've gone oh, hang on we're back on track now it's because basically we're buying players who are at a stage in their career yeah. where they do depreciate. Yeah, yeah. And the younger players who we have got are loan players. Well, that's yeah. it. The, like so we're same. not going to gain anything by uh, you know sending them back or whatever. Well, that's it. We're not going to sign grant all, no, no resale value, big wages, long yeah. contract. Yeah. It's not the way we've done things, is it? No. But like I say, there was a bit of a defence of, of Owen Coyle and, and his wanting players yeah. that. Have been there and done it, and don't require that level of coaching. Mm. Mm. Essentially, he can't coach Essentially, essentially <laughs> he wasn't interested in developing players as much as as Roberto no, clearly right, was, and Uve oh, clearly. You have can. to, yeah. You have to say though, looking at some of his signings, some of them failed. But, but, but Barney to Perch, in my oh. opinion, reaped yeah. massive rewards. Oh yeah, they yeah, have, yeah, of course they have. Yeah, but Nick Powell. When you're buying players, some of them are going to work and some of them are not going to yeah. work, aren't they? And yeah. that, you know, they, they say when you're doing recruitment that if you get one in two right, then you're doing well. Mm. You know, you rec- if you recruit 50% of duffers, it's it's average. Well, there's a lot of variations, isn't there? A lot of factors. There's a lot of yeah. things what can go right and a lot of things what can go wrong. Okay. Talking about how well Boyce has dropped back into centre half as well. He did well last night, Boyce. Boyce yeah. and Burnett, fantastic. I see. It's a good skipper, isn't it? Yeah, Good skipper. Lead by example. Yeah. St. Emerson of the Holy Boys. <laughs> Sir Emerson Boys, yes. Well, just to sum this up, actually. Yeah, basically it was a load of financial stuff and then we had about an hour and 20 minutes chat with whoever Rosler and you're going to hear that hopefully soon. But I'll just bring up a point here regarding the training facilities. As you know, the club did buy up some land at Charnet Richard and planning permission is going to be submitted for the new training academy in 2014. Now, this is going to take approximately two to three years to come to fruition because apparently this stuff takes time. I know this might be a bit personal uh, towards the chairman, but is that the chairman's money or is that the club money? It's got to be club money. Yeah, it's always, always club money these yeah. days. You just, if there's anything over, it goes on the club's debt. Mm. I... Something else that did crop up was that over the the Premiership era, um, the chairman's pumped in about thirty million quid. In, 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 that's been lost lost over the years in wages, essentially, yeah. uh, and running costs. That debt has then been converted to equity, which essentially is a write-off because he owned the other equity anyway. So, yeah. Well, I, I was saying. I was having an argument with him a while ago. He said, "Oh, Wheeling won't be in it if he didn't make any money." I said, "He's, he's lost millions and millions, man." Yeah. I, I would have thought it was more double that, yeah. but I'm, I'm not surprised. It's yeah. I mean, we, we've got a, quite a benevolent chairman, and we, you know, Mr. Wheeling's not liked throughout the whole of the town. 
but his, his businesses speak for themselves. But I do reckon that they've been quite very benevolent when it comes to winning athletics. Well, yes. and well, well done to him. Well, I'm not going to argue. Mm-hmm. This was mentioned this afternoon, wasn't it? About well, it has to be brought yeah. up, doesn't the el- it? The At some point, the <laughs> Whelan is going to have to call it a day. But he has no plans to pack it in at this moment in time. Yeah, yeah, it, was, it was very much a, there's a big fat elephant in the room. We all know it's there. We're all pretending it isn't, and we're all just carrying on as normal. Yeah. Um, but you, know, you can't avoid it. It's, it's there. What happens when when he's not playing with the purse strings anymore? Does the club get sold on or passed down or what happens? Uh, and, and at this point, nobody knows, which is fair enough. Well, that's it. The good thing is that we're a well-run club these days, yeah. which makes us quite a, an attractive proposition to purchase rather than, you know, the um, eight stone road. <laughs> 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 and on that bombshell. <laughs> Right, I believe that wraps us up for this edition of the Progress of the Unity podcast, unless anybody has anything to add to anything that we've said this oh, evening. No, a nice, neat, tidy session, on time and everything else. Oh, well done, Dan. Yeah, well, yes, well done, Dan. Well done, Dan. German efficiency. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, so it's good night from me. Good night. Good night. Thanks.